0: live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. Well, this week, big week for results. We had the financial year results for both NBN Co and for Telstra. NBN was on Tuesday, Telstra on Thursday. And uh, it was uh, t- two different stories, nominally. Um, NBN is still in its growth phase, obviously. It's still putting on new connections and, and escalating people up speed. Here. So it, it saw a 10% revenue increase. But more significantly, a 130% increase in its earnings before interest, tax depreciation, and amortization. So, uh, definitely, it's on the trajectory that it's set for itself. Over at Telstra, of course, they're big and a form of monopoly. So, in a sense, the only way is down, and that's by diktat. Um, but are very credible 5% easing in both its revenues and its profits for the year. But very, very strong momentum in the mobile area. Um, which is its strength. It isn't doing so well in other areas, particularly in fixed, both enterprise and residential. But of course, that's by design. So um, particularly now, the compensation for loss of its monopoly and, and signing people over to Mbn, a lot of those revenues are coming to an end. You'll see a, a new Telstra. So two different stories, but um, lots of, of interesting sub-stories in there as well. And as usual, Telstra... Um, as it always does as it's at its results, put forward a number of his executives to talk about all the various things going on in the business. And I thought I'd excerpt a few of the more interesting ones from this week's um, presentations. Starting off with Michael Wackland, who, um, of course, is about to become the CFO, now that Vicky Brady is moving from that job into the CEO role as of, as of September. And in, in, our, in the Q&A session, our executive editor, Rowan Pearce, Asked Michael to talk us through what was going on in the fixed wireless area, which of course um, Telstra uses to compete against NBN. And Rowan asked Michael to explain what were the types of customers picking up the service.
1: Well, actually, we've we've been pretty focused in the way that we've um, gone after uh, fixed wireless, and we've been focused on those areas where we think fixed wireless can deliver a better outcome for an individual customer than. Uh, they're getting on a fixed service, and I think that's that's um, that's incredibly important. Which does mean that more of our demand has been in areas where uh, it you know it'll be fibre to the node on a on a long copper line into fibre to the node, where where a fixed wireless service and a five G five G service can be um, can deliver a better outcome. That said, from a demand point of view, we've seen demand from uh, all across the country and and people with. Um, uh, all different types of MBN um, technology types, as you reference.
0: Now, moving on, um, Brendan Riley from InfraCo spoke about the intercity fibre network. This was announced by Telstra a little while back. There's
2: been a huge amount of interest in our project since we announced it. And that's from hyperscalers, global companies, local telcos, uh, uh, government commercial organisations. I mean, everywhere I go around the country, there's just a massive interest in what we need to do. Um, And that's because we need to build more demand and we obviously need to do more in relation to regional Australia. Um, I don't think there are too many companies that could take on this project at this scale. And the fact that we've already announced we're doing it with committed uh, the capex, Um, we'll commence construction next month, we've done our uh, construction tests in uh, Western Australia and New South Wales, we commence construction next month, we're off and away, we will build a very significant and material amount of the project in the next three years, and we've already landed our first anchor tenant. So we're off and away, it's going to happen, I'm very excited about it, huge interest, Um, and yes, it's a competitive market.
0: Now, of course, um, this is Andy Penn's last results call as Telstra CEO. He retires in in a few weeks, uh, as I said, to hand over to Vicky Brady. Um, But he's still, I guess, possibly because he's leaving, he he may be a little more uh, candid and a little more um, uh, opinionated than than usual. He he certainly has some very strong words to say in defence of the Telstra TPG network sharing deal. Let's have a listen to what he had to say.
1: Look, on the network sharing um, uh, deal, it's not a merger, so that's obviously just mischievous um, stuff put out by... um probably the only party in the country who's not really keen on it but anyway um, the it's it's a network sharing deal there's lots of network sharing deals around the world it's a common feature of uh, telecommunications it makes an enormous amount of sense and in fact I mean and I've sort of said I can't I mean I, I don't want to speak for the M, uh, sorry for the ACCC that would be presumptuous and rude of me so I'm not um, they're obviously going through their process and I have no uh, no insight into what their conclusions are or what they will be or when they will necessarily report but the Reasons I've said that I can't imagine why they wouldn't have support it is because it's good for customers. Uh, it's a commercial network sharing deal. It's good for TPG. It's good for Telstra. It's good for regional customers. Um, you know, in that sense, um, everyone's a, a winner out of it. Um, and also, when the ACCC have previously reviewed the mobile industry or the mobile sector in Australia, they've they've actually been. The ones who've sort of said, you know, it would be great to see more proactive network, commercial network sharing. So um, I can't see why, as I say, this is a this is a win-win. So. um, but I, I understand why one particular party doesn't like it but Then they never really like very much um, that we do. So um, uh, with that said, in terms of the contingency plan, um, well, as I say, firstly, the ACCC have to go through their process and uh, and then when they make a decision, that decision is obviously subject It can be subject to challenge um, whether it's a decision that any particular party doesn't like, and I'm not saying what we may or may not do in that regard. As I say, I'm not anticipating them not approving it. But um, uh, ultimately, we'd need to factor that through. But, I mean, in the end, if for whatever reason it didn't go ahead, we will continue to do what we've always done, which is to be uh, a big investor in regional and rural Australia, a big supporter of the Mobile Black Spots Program, a big supporter of investing in regional Australia, which, by the way, everybody has the opportunity to do so it's just that others have chosen not to do so to the same degree that we have and if i can't quite understand why they haven't because it can't be an argument of their balance sheet size our competitors are um got balance sheets as big as us they're big large global international companies so um yeah so we'll just continue to invest in regional and rural australia and support um, those customers And we'll be hoping to catch up with Andy Penn before he moves on as Telstra CEO in the next
0: few weeks and uh, I guess hear some of his final thoughts um, as he departs the role. Anyway, moving on, as I mentioned, NBN had their results this week as well. And uh, I interviewed CEO Stephen Rue on Tuesday, the day of the results. Just an update since then. Um, This is Friday and and today NBN's put out a discussion paper on its proposed special access undertaking variation. Of course, if you've been listening to this podcast regularly or reading Comms Day, you know they had an attempt at it back in March and they were shouted down by the ACCC and the retailers and a new minister has come in and said have another go at it and they have. The result was a paper where um, they've made some concessions on, on capacity charging promising to completely remove capacity charging or CVC from their pricing regime by 2026. Um, and also... Promising some price reductions for high speed broadband tariffs. Um, we'll look at this in more detail in coming weeks. Um, but the initial reaction from RSPs is that they would have been happier if MBN had given more ground. Anyway, um, let's not take away from the fact that MBN did do its results this week. We, we talked about all sorts of things, um, but specifically, about the fact that it hit its $1 billion target for 22 um, for business revenues, it it, it hit it, it, which is to their credit. Um, We we also talked about some of the other things that MBN is doing right now. The obvious big one is the fiber connect upgrade um, in the fiber to the node areas and fiber to the curb, where if you order a higher speed, that is possible on your current network, then that triggers an upgrade. To a five to the premises topology, we also had a, a, a discussion about a, a recent um, uh, bond raising that NBN conducted, called, a so-called green bond, um, which is tied to sustainability targets and projects in NBN. Um, so, let's let's hear from what Stephen Roo had to say.
3: So we had we had migration of premises this year. Clearly, we have seen um, higher speeds um, being acquired on our. Standard TC4 service.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, we've been pleased with the rollout of enterprise Ethernet, um, whereby we have had good sales of that this year, um, and uh, the the business satellite and some some sales in regional Australia, but but also the, the use on and um, the Qantas planes returned. So uh, you know, I th- I think it's I think the way to think of it, though, Graham, it's a Ongoing need for business community for digital services, which mm. is driving which is driving higher speed tiers, mm. more usage of of um, fibre services more generally, mm. um, uh, and really, I think you know that that will continue. I w- I think we'll continue to see businesses need higher speeds, more reliability over time. Yeah.
0: Okay. In the residential market, um, I guess with fibre connect starting to roll out, and, and of course gigabit capacity now extended across HFC, you'd be expecting to see some of that obstinate uh, APU <laughs> um, flatline starting to grow in the coming financial year. Is, well, that, is that correct?
3: Well, as you as you've seen, Graham, we, we 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 launched the only in the back end of the year, if you like, both the fibre to the node and fibre to the. Um, curb upgrade to P as we call Fibre Connect. So we've had about a thousand orders a week on average um, but the footprint will continue to grow in, in terms of availability for both fibre to the curb and for principally fibre to the premise as we continue to, to build out those the, the fibre in the street between now and December 25. Um, we've also completed the HFC um, upgrade of the network to enable all of that footprint to be able to order the the highest speeds that we have on offer. Um, So as a result of that, Graeme, I think you'll see demand for higher speeds will grow next year because of that program as well as the ongoing need for, um, you know, greater greater and more reliable digital services over time.
0: Is it a little frustrating for you that that people depict... NBN is this big, rapacious monopoly. When you know, you've, you've you've earned your three point one billion in earnings, but two point five billion of that went straight into capital expenditure to upgrade the network.
3: Uh, Graham, we face competition. Um, we face we face we face competition, and we also are here to deliver government policy. So, we face competition around you know fixed wireless access, mobile services, Leos, multi dwelling units. Um, new developments in, in, in business fibre services, all of those we have competition with. Um, I think for me, Graeme, I look at this as an asset that has been built over a decade and will continue to enhance over the decade to coming, coming in order to ensure that we deliver economic benefits to the nation and and provide social uh, the ability for social equity as well. Um, so, in other words, to enable entrepreneurs to start and run a good business, to enable productivity in, in manufacturing, in agriculture, in small and medium business, to enable Australia to be globally competitive and to enable things like health and education, government services to be delivered online. And, and I think for me, that's how I think about our business. But we do operate in an environment when there is mm. uh, so what So our balance always is meeting that competition, but also ensuring that what we do is done in the benefit of national interest.
0: Obviously, you've made great progress in in rolling over that government debt into private and capital markets debt. I I had a question specifically about the green bond, and and I I understand the positioning of it. But the interest rate that you pay on that is actually much higher than private bond raisings and debts. And I'm wondering what's actually in that for NBNCO in terms of paying more interest if on a bond, a specific purpose bond, to do things that you might have been going to do anyway?
3: Um, Graeme, the the interest rate that you receive uh, on uh, any instrument is really a function of the timing of when you go to market. Mm. Um, so our, so a, a sustainability or a green bond does provide a certain set of investors which will actually provide a slightly lower rate of interest than you would have had. With a different um, instrument, mm. um, but what we what we need to do is have a portfolio of debt raisings that we, that ensures that yes, we can pay the government debt down in time, but also that we have a, um, a portfolio of, of, of investors and also um, when those bonds actually mature mm. um, so that we have a, a steady state program. Over the next decade and beyond, to continue to refinance debt at points in time. Mm. Um, so, really, our, our thinking is is around um, different types of investors, but also um, the the timing of when you go to market and the the length of, of particular instruments that you take out right. combines to a rolled up average interest rate and a rolled up average tenor of debt. Is there a point
0: where you'd expect that NBN Co will be able to start paying down the principal on debt and not just the interest?
3: Um, that is the intention over time. Um, clearly, in the medium term, we have programs of work around the, the fixed wireless program, our contribution to that, and the um, fiber connect programs, and both building the network, um, uh, building fiber deeper in the network, but also. Um, the lead-in cost, which will continue over this decade, mm. whereby people order um, a fibre-to-the-premise service and, and we, we then put a lead-in in. Um, but over time, yes, the, the um, intention will be to uh, repay debt.
0: Um, just, you just mentioned the fibre connect rollout out there. That's a, is, does it come a point where it becomes less efficient to do success-based lead-ins? because you've got to keep on doing truck rolls back to the same area there's a there's a come point in the future where it's actually easier just to fiber up the entire street and become more cost efficient that way
3: yeah i think i think in the in the um short to medium term grain what's important is that we provide um that 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 uh, we provide the opportunity for for customers to acquire fiber services whereby it's a superior service than they currently have today and that's certainly the focus upon what we are, um, yeah, what our programs are doing. So in other words, providing, providing access to higher speeds. Um, now, over time, we will consider the best way to manage what effectively is two networks. And how do we best um, think about that in years to come? But well, that's not for the next few years' consideration.
0: Yeah, I, I would have thought at some point, you know, operating a I, I, node for twenty customers or something might not be a exactly. great use of resources. And, yeah,
3: exactly. And then, and then to further expand on that answer, clearly one of the things that we do want to do is ensure that we manage our capital expenditure in the most efficient way possible, and some of that may well be um, uh, thinking about, you know, rolling up, rolling up. Um, uh, at homes that are in similar locations into into a piece of work that can be done more f- efficiently than going in and out of areas.
0: Um, just just on, on the Fibre Connect rollout, I mean, we're hearing from across the economy uh, tales of you know shortages of supply um, of yeah. both goods and of labour. Is NBN coming across any of those types of constraints with, with its deployments right now? Yeah,
3: there, there is... Um, in certain states around the around the country, um, Western Australia is one example. There is high demand for labour in both infrastructure projects and in Western Australia's case, in mining industry. Oh, okay, yeah. um, and also um, the the ability for skilled labour to be uh, the, sorry, the availability of skilled labour to be able to do some of the construction drilling work, for example, that's required. Um, and I think you know, I think that is just something that we just will need to overcome Graeme, as we roll out this program over the next three years we are still committed to the um, December we're very committed to the december twenty five timeline of completing the the um, fiber build out deeper in the street mm. um, but we will have to manage various circumstances that will arise over the next three and a half years but but Graeme we've done this before we've built we you know the we have successfully built out a network, as was required in the past, we, we will be able to overcome these challenges. But yes, there are challenges in terms of um, there's lots of activities in the economy which, we, which we'll which manage in terms of how we construct, um, you know, how how we work with delivery partners to ensure we overcome that.
0: That's Stephen Rue from NBNCO. And that's it for Coms Day Live this week.
1: time.